Hello and welcome to the Stadium Tech Report podcast. I'm Phil Harvey, but enough about me. Joining me is the editor-in-chief of the Mobile Sports Report, Mr. Paul Kapuska. Hello, Paul. Hello, Phil. How are you today, sir? I'm feeling very well, thank you. Good, good. We better than better than Jordan Spieth, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the the, the meltdown. Don't of get the masters. Distracted. Don't get distracted. No, I know. It's just. Yeah. It's, it it pains me to talk about it, but we've got to talk about some some uh, some some big news in the world of uh, stadium tech and mobile content and just general. Um, where's the media thing going anyway? So you may have already heard that Twitter and the NFL um, have signed a deal. The NFL has chosen Twitter to uh, offer a live stream for free of all 10 Thursday night football games on the social media network. Now, it hasn't said specifically how exactly that's going to look or what's going to come in, uh, you know, how, how that's going to appear on uh, on on the on Twitter, but we do know that this is a very valuable win. Uh, Bloomberg had previously reported that uh, Verizon, Yahoo, and Amazon had all been in the bidding for the NFL streaming rights for these particular rights. Facebook was involved in the bidding as well, and they pulled out at the last minute. Um, but this deal, even though the money amount was um, was not officially announced, a lot of people speculated about it. It's not about money, is it, Paul? No, no, not at all. And um, what was interesting, uh, you know, was the choice of Twitter because out of all those um, bidders that, or potential bidders that I think you mentioned, Twitter is a really interesting choice because it's probably the single one that doesn't jeopardize any of the existing broadcast deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a <clears throat> excuse me, it's a recognition in some ways that. Twitter is already the second screen for a lot of live events. And, you know, I think the Thursday night streaming is a perfect place to experiment with, uh, you know, a different kind of format, making it available on, on, on you know, tablets, on phones, on desktops. It, it, it's a pretty interesting pick for a number of reasons, which we'll get into. Yeah, I mean, from a content point of view, uh, the Thursday night games are always Always interesting for fans, but not always the the premium game. Uh, they're not the Sunday afternoon games. No, um, and and then it just drives home this thing about video traffic on phones. I mean, this is really real stuff. And um, I mean, just one of the the things that uh, the the last time I talked to AT and T, they were saying that between two thousand seven and twenty fifteen, the the data traffic on their wireless network grew 150,000%. I mean, just, just that that's all video, you know, 60% of the data traffic on their network, on their total network, wired and wireless in 2015 was all video. So it just drives home this idea that video traffic on mobile networks is skyrocketing. It's not slowing down. It's only going to get bigger on Facebook. Interestingly, um, they serve up on average, and this is just, you know, this is by the time I read this, this is old information, but they say they serve up something like 4 billion video views a day. That's Um, just amazing. And 75% of those are happening on mobile devices. And that's the reason I bring it up because it's, it's, 
it, it tilted toward mobile in you know so much more quickly than than we thought and it went all the way there and that's why i think that this um this is an inter- interesting deal for the nfl because it's a new revenue stream for them really i mean it's like you said it's kind of found money it's not really something that jeopardizes the broadcast rights and you know twitter is an interesting social network in that um it's already open you know if you know real football fans it's already yeah. open somewhere in the house when somebody's watching the game no for sure yeah they're watching that commentary you know running by they're watching what the team is posting they're watching injury reports and you know people who are at the stadium and things like that and that's where this kind of gets into the stadium experience and you know we talked about the data side but right how do you see this uh, affecting stadiums and how do you see it affecting the NFL teams as they're looking at their own, uh, their own media properties and their own apps? Yeah, well, that's, that's a great point and a great question because the, the sort of dirty secret about team apps, you know, as soon as a team or a club or a school announces that they have a Wi-Fi network or, you know, now you can use your phones and you'll be using the team app. Well, if you drive down into the statistics, and this is pretty much true across the board, that when you look at what people are actually using while they're in the stadium in terms of apps, um, the team app, if it cracks the top 10, that's great performance. I mean, mm-hmm. really, people are, are you know, there's just people just still haven't gotten into downloading the team app. They really yeah. don't care as much. It, 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 there's, I think, a little bit higher acceptance rate in some stadiums uh, where the app has a, a certain functionality, like digital ticketing, and we can get into that a little bit later. But, um, it, you know, the fact that Twitter, I think Twitter has already won in terms of being, you know, sort of the place where running commentary happens during major sports events. I know that there's a lot of activity on Snapchat. I don't use Snapchat, so I'm not as familiar you know, with how it all works. But Twitter is publicly visible in a way that, you know, like you were saying, the teams are on there, the top media people are on there. And mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of like this, it, you know, it is the second screen already for a lot of sports and, and even things like that aren't sports, right? Like the Oscars or the Grammys or oh, something yeah. like that. You know, Twitter just spikes up because it, it's a place – it's sort of like <clears throat> the old AP wire, only everybody gets to contribute to it, which yeah. is which is cool. And you can the the beauty of it too is that you can pick who you follow, so mm-hmm. you can customize your your stream in a way that a lot of those personalized news services never could. But but getting back to the point of stadiums and apps, and I promise you there is one here. Um, the, the teams have. Uh, we're still in such an, the infancy mode of the team apps of stadium networks that teams are trying all different things all over the place, and some of them are trying to build you know, internal fan social networks. You know, tweet to other people in the stadium. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, now that the NFL, the league, the Shield has come out and said Twitter is our anointed you know partner and friend in a very real and and, and business like way. I just wonder, what does that mean for the team apps themselves? I mean, if if you are now anointing Twitter, and and part of what I read about the the broadcast is that they're going to have 
you know, live Periscope interviews, which is, mm-hmm. you know, great synergy there. I mean, why would you even switch over to the, to the team app if you're there, if you're at a Thursday night game? Right. Or if you're, you know, if, if you're a fan of the team and following it online. Um, I just, I, I, I wonder if this is, you know, the, the sort of stake in the ground where teams are going to have to go, hmm, you know, maybe we need to we need to consider a different direction for our team app. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, at, uh, was it Venue Next? Um, last week they had announced that, uh, uh, that it had won the, uh, that it had its third NFL client, the Minnesota Vikings for the uh, U.S. Uh, Bank Stadium. Yes. And that's a win because the Vikings were using uh, Yinscam to, to build their uh, team app. Yeah, the, and, and Yinscam. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Yinscam, they're they're far and away um, the leader in the industry of of you know team apps and stadium apps. But they're, I think, what may cause them you know competitive issues is that their entire architecture is built around content. They have yeah. great instant replays. You know, if they're in a stadium that's wired with a good Wi-Fi network, which most of them are these days. You know, it's pretty amazing. You can be sitting there and and you can see, you know, replays from four different angles. They've mm-hmm. got um, modules that they're building in to do, you know, other things like seat upgrades. But but mostly they're about the content. And, you know, this is my question. If the NFL is in, you know, a buy versus build mode saying, you know, we're going to do a lot of things with Twitter. Everything's going to be on Twitter. Um, does that mean that Yenscam needs to move more towards Venue Next. And, and for people who may not be that familiar with Venue Next, they were the company that was started basically to build the app for Levi's Stadium and the San Francisco 49ers. The, the 49ers and some of their VC friends are the major investments in, in Venue Next. And now Venue Next is starting to push out and saying, who else can we have as clients? And last year they announced the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Yankees Mm-hmm. You know, via the Legends operation, we'll be using Venue Next technology. The Orlando Magic is already using Venue Next technology and actually, um, you know, making some pretty good dough off of it, off selling sponsorships in it. Um, but now, you know, now you have the Minnesota Vikings who have built this brand new stadium. It's a, it's pretty cool. I don't know if you've um, gone on the web and seen it, but it's, it's pretty much done. It's going to open up this summer. It's uh-huh. it's got like a angled wall that's all glass. I mean, I I hope that works well when they get three feet of snow. But <laughs> <laughs> they say it'll work. They say it'll work. But but I think that you know, the fact of the matter is is that a lot of teams I think are looking at the content thing, saying, well, the content is cool, but you know, would I rather have something that's more oriented towards supporting digital ticketing, supporting wayfinding, supporting you know, being able to order at Levi's Stadium, they have the ability to deliver food and drink to your seat. Yeah. Um, Minnesota hasn't quite decided if they're going to have the delivery yet, mm-hmm. but they're definitely doing the express um, food ordering thing where you can place an order on your mobile device, pay for it on your mobile device, and then just walk up to a window and pick it up when it's ready. So, I, you know, maybe Boy. maybe the Vikings will have two apps for a while. I know there's several teams out there right now that have two apps. One that's sort of like a you know a, a static team app where you can go with, that looks sort of like a web page. Yeah, 
And then they have a second one that's more of a game day app. So maybe you have the Yinscam app, which focuses on content, and then you have a Venue Next app, which focuses on you know interaction and services. But I, I think in the long run, you know, you'll want to gravitate towards the one just so you have some kind of a chance of the fans downloading it after they're done posting on Facebook and, <laughs> and Twitter and Snapchatting and everything else. So, um, you know, to me that that's the heart of this, this Twitter thing. It's like, where, where are we going with, you know, people clearly want to use and you know, want to use live video and watch live video and send live video yeah. from their mobile devices, as, as you pointed out quite clearly. But you know, my question is, is who wins that race and at what point are we at in that race? It, it, I, it, go ahead. Yeah. I just think about that because I, I, I wonder if the, the teams are evolving their view of these things to be a bit more mature in that they realize that maybe they can have an official app that does that that's their officially sanctioned app. Like this is the one that our football club blesses and this is the one that's officially sanctioned, but then they can go ahead and license content and access to four or five other apps, you know, like just thinking, thinking of themselves as a media property, because even though they don't have a license to, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) to, uh, uh, what do you call it? A, you know, Facebook or Twitter or something like that, you know, on a, on a team by team basis, they they still play on those platforms as well, even though they're not making money because they recognize that that's where the audience is. Right. And so I, I do kind of see this as like, um, you know, maybe this is like when the newspapers first hit, hit the web with, uh, uh, John you, know, it, you know, in the media <laughs> sort of was trying to figure out what to do with the web and all here's our here's our front page online. Right. And it was like it was so <laughs> weird because instead of using the natural um interactivity and the natural uh advantages that the web afforded they just put like a print looking version of, of right. their newspaper in digital form and it was so boring yeah and i i think that's kind of where we are with the stadium app and maybe even you know to some degree the team apps and things like that i think a lot of these uh um the good news about somebody like twitter getting in the mix is that Twitter's not a football club and Twitter's not a stadium and they will try things that these guys haven't thought of yet. And they're not a broadcaster either. Yeah. Right. That's that to me is the most exciting part because they know they're not a broadcaster and yet they harness more live video than, you know, probably a lot of, uh, uh, you know, third rate news agencies. And they're probably getting really, really good at figuring out what's the best, um, push versus pull that they can do in live video yeah how do you make it look right where's the twitter feed going to be on the screen because you know there'll be one yeah 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 there has to be that 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 steady drumbeat of commentary so i guess to sort of bring it all the way around this is about you know this this nfl deal with twitter and the evolution of the stadium app itself and the stadium network to support the app this is all we're all in the middle of a platform change here this is stuff that's that's um, coming online that's reshaping the way that we thought uh, you know that, that that we interact with the games and the and the sports that we love 
And so now my challenge to you, Paul Kapuska, is you have to tell us a story to wrap up the podcast about some platform change or something that changed uh, from the old to the new. Curiously enough, I have just a story like that. Well, all right then. And for those of you who don't know, in the old days, I was a sports writer. I worked for a paper, uh, the Boulder Daily Camera, which still sort of exists, not in the grand form it used to be. But I was on the sports staff at the Boulder Daily Camera. And, you know, we used to stay up late at night to get all the, I, I remember, you know, one of the big challenges was we used to stay up late to get all the West Coast box scores in. Oh, yes. Yeah. We, we, we prided ourselves on being able to do this because we had later deadlines than the the Denver papers. The Our main competition was the Rocky Mountain News and the Denver Post. Mm-hmm. And so we prided ourselves on, you know, when you pick up that paper in the morning, you're not going to see that missing box score saying game, right. game was running too late. We had to get to bed. <laughs> so we would stay up really late and, and, you know, watch the AP wire for the scores because, you know, this this was in my lifetime as an adult, but it, it seems hard to believe now that, like, it could be late at night and you would have no way of knowing, like, what the score was of – a game going on, you know, outside of your local broadcaster. You just had no way. The uh-huh. AP wire was something like, you know, six to $8,000 a month for, and the only people who could subscribe to it were newspapers. So yeah. you couldn't get this information at home. So that morning paper was really important. That was when people, you know, <clears throat> picked it up off the doorstep, came in and said, I'm going to find out what happened yesterday. So we're, we're sitting there in the office in the daily camera me and my, my boss, sports editor Dan Creeden, legendary figure, not just in Boulder, but in the sports newspaper world. I mean, he had people on his staff who included Rick Riley and Ed Werder, you know, who went through his training. And I don't know what happened to me, but, you know. I've heard of those guys, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're sitting there between deadlines because we had, we had two editions. We had an edition that went out to the – east part of the county and then we had the boulder city edition and so we're sitting in between editions you know waiting for the second press run and we're watching sports center on the tv fairly mm-hmm. new thing you know keith and dan yeah this is like you know 1985 and we're watching them roll through all the scores and and you know they're getting them as fast or faster than we are you know watching the ap wire and we're right. just sitting there watching this and my boss just looks over me and he goes, you know, Caps, these guys are going to put us out of business. <laughs> that was it. It, was... I, it. it didn't really it didn't really sink into me until yeah. like years later. It was like, yeah, people aren't going to want to, they're not going to care in the morning. All that, all those inches we used up, I mean, yeah. you know, like 15 different box scores for basketball, right? And then you have to run the little, all you have room for is the, one sentence AP lead to go with it. How does yeah. that? How does that compete with video of guys dunking and the immediate <laughs> score? <laughs> I mean, right. they, they just had that all, and it was just yeah. like, yeah, uh, you know. So it was no surprise in a lot of ways that you know newspapers crumbled in their influence, you know, the way they did. So now I wonder, you know, you, you see similar things happening, right? Sports centers has been disintermediated that's the word yeah, that disintermediated the same way 
Yeah. Because it, it now you don't even want to sit there. I mean, I used to love the half hour of Sports Center because you knew at some point they were going to get to your team. And right. a half hour was great. You know, you didn't have to sit through the weather and dumb local news. It was just all sports. Yeah. But now you don't want to wait. You don't want to sit through the commercials. It's like I can go to, you know, the Chicago Bulls website. And if I can't watch the game live, I can usually see the stats live. I mean, yeah. Right? So, or, or the NBA putting out amazing on its YouTube channel, putting out amazing video clips. I mean, seconds after a game's over. Seconds after. And, and, and there's lots of them. It's not just the one or two that the ESPNs get to show. So, um, you know, I wrote several years ago, and you can go look this up on Mobile Sports Report, when you know Twitter was really coming of age and really becoming this second screen. I said, you know, is it possible that Twitter could kill ESPN? And wow. back then it was just kind of a, you know, it was a headline grabbing, grasping for attention. But no, I, you know, I don't think it's so much of a stretch right now. I think you lived through it once before and you, you, you know what these things look like. Yeah. You know what these, what, what happens when, uh, exclusivity goes away when, uh, um, when that last little bit of information comes from a different source and suddenly you have to prove your value to an audience all over again. Right. That's, that's, that's where we're at. That is. Well, now we need to find out where you're at. Paul, can you tell us where we can find out more about Mobile Sports Report? Yes, you can start on our website, uh, mobilesportsreport.com, where we have daily news upstate, updates, not upsnates, but updates. <laughs> upsnates are somewhere else. Yeah. Um, we have our you know, regularly occurring uh, long-form profiles of stadium uh, technology deployments. We have analysis. And we now have a link to this podcast. So you can find that all there. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter. If you go to the website, there's a sign-up box up in the upper right-hand corner, cleverly positioned there so you see it first. And uh, you can also download one of our quarterly reports. The latest one we have out is uh, all about, uh, it has a feature on Wi-Fi, on being installed underneath seats. It has a recap of the Wi-Fi at uh, Super Bowl 50. Uh, it's a great profile by writer Terry Sweeney on uh, the whole digital strategy uh, taking place at the University of Wisconsin. So please come by mobilesportsreport.com and check it all out. Fantastical. And if you happen to be on that thing they call Twitter, I'm at FuturePhil on Twitter. And for Paul Kapuska and the Mobile Sports Report, I'm Phil Harvey. Thanks for listening. 